Are you finding yourself in social situations without anything to contribute? Maybe you're sick of going to dinner parties with no fun facts. At last, an episode that can help you with all of your worries. Introducing this week's episode of Learning Tings, Animals That Fascinate Me. We're going to be going over all kinds of animals. Well, just three. With a bunch of quirky animal facts that you can shove right into your arsenal. Buckle up, this one is a hard-hitting episode. Hello, welcome back to Learning Tings. Today, this week, is, mm, how do we call it? A cop-out. That's right. I was going to, oh, sorry, rat. Well, it wasn't even my fault. It was kind of yours. She's whacked her head in the microphone. And do you want to run us through that? What was the aim there? What do I mean by cop-out? Well, last week um, I did all this research on like a much heavier topic. And then uh, usually I like to be able to, you know, record over the weekend and then have it edited and ready for a Wednesday. What happened um, to me so that I wouldn't be able to do that. Well, I was hungover, wasn't I? I was really hungover on Sunday. And when you get, I think, above the age of like 22, hangovers don't last, you know, the morning. I need three business days at least. Anyway, this week we are talking about three animals that I just find fucking fascinating. <laughs> so... As the intro says, if you feel like you're at a point where like you're at a dinner party and people keep getting political and you want to be able to like break it up and hit them with like a fun fact, be it an animal fact, you know, well, this episode is full of this. Is that practice a little bit autistic and potentially rude? Yeah, it is. So we're starting with orcas. A little bit of a backstory here. I actually did a project on orcas in year four of primary school. That project was probably the only thing I retained from my primary school years and education, if you will. That and a little bit of Ned Kelly. But I'd like to do an episode into Ned Kelly because they found his, they confirmed his remains were found recently. Whatever else they taught us in primary school, um, (laughs) don't ask me. But in this project, me and my friend Rebecca made history. Really? My, my one thing was I went into the Disney Channel building and I sat down with the president of Disney Channel and I said, I want to make history. And that's what this is. Because we learned something in primary school that I can still retain today. But I've done a little bit more research today and orcas are just the fucking coolest animals ever and here's why. They're a dolphin, not a whale. Uh, But I guess whales are technically in the same family as dolphins, so technically they're a whale. Fight amongst yourselves. I don't care. But they are recognized as one of the world's deadliest predators. They're incredibly smart, and that's kind of the point of why they're so fascinating to me. But they're also really big. For some reason, I didn't think they were that big. I thought they were like the size of great white shark, and and some of them are. Like the female ones are. The women orcas. It just doesn't sound right, does it? Is women, women is definitely a name like only for humans, right? Like it's female and male in the animal kingdoms. Like you can't say like my woman dog. No, you can't. Nope. Okay. Don't worry about answering. I've worked it out myself. It doesn't work, does it? But no, they're fucking hefty boys, orcas. They can grow to six tons, which is like the equivalent 
weight of a fucking African elephant and they can be like as long as an American school bus, like those big yellow school buses, which is a bit big, bigger than I thought. But I'll allow it, I suppose. To give you an idea, like their dorsal fin, the little thing that sticks out of the water and scares the shit out of people. What is that for, if not for just scaring humans? I don't know. Didn't research that, clearly. But no, the dorsal fin can actually grow six feet fucking tall. That's taller than most people. They prefer like colder coastal areas. So you'll find them in like the polar regions to like just above the equator. But they have been known to take a little summer break and they've found them like off the waters of like Jamaica at some point or the Caribbean. Oh, that is <laughs> that is Jamaica. Holy shit, bro. Good thing this show is called Learning Things because I really just do be learning things on the fly here. And these bitches are at the top of the food chain, the tippity top. They eat fish, seals, sea lions, and whales. They eat whales. They've been known to take on blue whales. So in terms of like intelligence in an animal, generally scientists look for like social skills, complex emotional functions, or like the ability to have them, emotions that is, and obviously problem solving skills. And when I tell you that orcas have got all fucking free, I mean it, so listen. But something else that scientists can use to determine how smart an animal is, is is by what is known as the gyrification of a brain. Um, what does that mean? It's like the whole thing about the wrinkles. So like, obviously, the more wrinkly a brain is, it means the more data it can hold, does hold, and how quickly it can like process all of that data kind of thing. So for context, human brains on average are 2.2 on the gyrification scale, on the wrinkly scale. Orcas, 5.7, baby. Yeah, smarter than us, I think. That's what that means, right? Like bats, they use echolocation, which is just like one of the great skills, I think. They have this thing called click train, where they use like air that's passing through their like nasal region and like vibrate it out. And they send out this like thing called a click train that can basically detect 150 meters in front of them. And with this click train, they're actually able to distinguish between like six different types of salmon. What? One of my favorite thing about orcas, and this is something that I've retained from that primary school project. And when I tell you that everyone in the room that was listening was like, oh, when I told them this fact, believe me, because they were. And so will you in a second. Hold on tight. Orcas have different dialects according to the pod that they're in. So they can actually distinguish a member of their pod from someone who is not known to them based on the sound of the call. And it goes as far as that scientists can actually recognize a pod just from the way it's calling. I just find that so fascinating that an animal can have this ability to like make something completely their own in a way that we've only really seen in humans when it comes to language. Obviously, a species of animal is like it's natural for it to sound different depending on where it is. But like this is specifically in their pod. So this isn't just like a regional thing. This is like each pod sounds different from the other. Scientists don't know what the calls mean yet, but they're working on it. And they think that in some time they're going to be able to understand it. If not, maybe have a little conversation with them. Wouldn't that be nice? 
What would you ask an orca? Let me think about what I would ask an orca. One second. Give me a second here. Apparently they're self-aware. Like they're that smart that they're self-aware. So what if you ask them something that like one of the big meaning of life questions, like what is it? The meaning of life that is. Ask an orca that in like whatever sounds that would be for an orca. Whoa, that was kind of good. <laughs> Sorry, I just got a bit of chills just from the talent. Now we spoke about pods in terms of like their calls and things like that. The pod is obviously like the family of orcas. Um, this is a different system that a lot of animals in the animal kingdom have. Obviously, we know that some animals, when they are born, they will just be like split from their parents. Some only stay for like a little bit. Sometimes like only the females will stay, like in elephants, that's the case. In orcas, any child from the matriarch who kind of like runs the show, they're very matriarchal in the orca family. Told you they're intelligent. <laughs> that was naughty. Any child that the matriarch has stays with the pod. And the only time, like they'll interact with other pods, but if they breed with them, only the the calves of the females of the pod stay with the pod. So like a male could breed with another female, but that male won't just like leave. That makes sense. They stay as a family and their pods can have up to a hundred orcas in them, in that family group. One website said up to 40, which I thought was a bit cheapskate of them. If if one website saying a hundred and then another website is saying up to 40, I don't know, fight amongst yourselves once again. The weird thing about the pod system for orcas is that they can be both permanent and transient. So the words they use are resident and transient. The resident pods is what I was just describing, like this kind of like family unit that just goes around together and very matriarchal and all that. Transient pods can form from certain circumstances. Maybe it's made up of like orcas that don't have a family anymore, like the matriarch died and, and some stuff happened and they were like the only one left, whatever it is. They can like join a pod for a certain amount of time and hunt with them. Um, and depending on if you're in a resident pod or a transient pod will depend on what you hunt. So the resident pods typically focus on like fish, whereas transient pods will focus on bigger sea mammals. Does that make sense? So like a whale. And then once they're finished, I don't know, whatever their agreement was, they'll just like disband and like, I don't know, go work on their solo careers or something. But I just think that's fascinating about the two different styles of like the same animal. Orcas have a fucking mourning period when they lose a member of their pod. Like there have been scientific studies on how like particularly the mother of the ca uh, calf will just like the whole pod will just cry for days sometimes just like mourning the death of the calf or just any member it doesn't even have to be like a baby orca it's like any member of the family the pod they will get so upset and like there are stats to do with the fact that like you got mama mama orca and then you got baby orca let's say baby orca is a boy if at any point mum dies his odds of dying in the next year skyrocket. It's just interesting to think that they're emotional in that sense, it's similar to humans. Orcas go through menopause and scientists believe that they have evolved to do so. They are one of three species on the planet that do so. Obviously humans, orcas and short-finned pilot whales. But we're not talking about them, are we? So forget I ever said short-finned pilot whales. Back to orcas. 
a bunch of scientists led by this guy named Ken Balcom have for the past 40 years basically just been studying the which group? The lives and the family ties of the Pacific Northwest orcas. So in terms of like scientists believing that they've evolved to do so, this is because they were watching them and they think that the women like stopped mating and stopped having children at a certain point on purpose because it meant they could spend more of their time helping the pod by like sourcing out food and they just have like more energy looking after like the other calves of the pod because they're smart enough to have worked out that like more orcas means more need for resources and more work so instead of them having kids forever they stop at a certain point they literally go through fucking menopause now they've evolved to do so because it makes more sense for them in the long run in terms of like supporting their pod ah crazy now onto like hunting like orca hunting routines this is probably something like if you didn't know anything about orcas you probably at least knew that they are just like the most intelligent animals when it comes to hunting they fuck with their prey and I mean it. I watched one video in researching for this episode of an orca, a team of orcas, just fucking with a seal before they eat it. And I couldn't, I, like, I almost started crying. I don't know what's going on with me at the moment, but, like, I cannot watch nature documentaries anymore. They really upset me. <laughs> Mother Nature is Fucked. Fucked. But one of the great examples is in Frozen Planet 2, um, one of the BBC ones, and it like showcases these coordinated attacks that you don't see as often in the animal kingdom to this extent. Like, yes, I know lions hunt in a group and they help each other out and whatnot, but like orcas are using their brain in a way that we don't really see the same in any other animal on the planet. They will start by, like, a couple of them will do recon and, like, stick their head out of the water to, like, see if there's any seals on the ice caps around them. And then they'll, like, dip back under. And once they find a seal, they will coordinate to fucking make waves. And these are learned techniques. This isn't something that, like, every pod will have its own method of doing so. It's not guaranteed that every orca in the world actually knows how to do what I'm about to tell you. That's what's so fucking bizarre about orcas, how intelligent they are. Like, they learn this shit by themselves. So they'll, like, make a wave. They'll start probably, like, 30 to 50 metres away from the ice cap and then swim underneath it in perfect alignment to create a wave that'll rock the fucking ice cap and make the seals slip off. Bro, I'm going to cry thinking about it. The look on their faces when they were falling off the ice cap to certain death. Or if they don't flip the seals off or if the ice cap is like too big to allow for like the seals to just slip off, if you know what I mean, they'll literally go underneath and whack the ice from below to crack it and break it up and then keep fucking with the seal. And it just, I cannot, I just, oh. They also blow bubbles to disorient their prey. <laughs> like they're psycho. And one really interesting thing is that, like, they will teach their young and, like, run them through drills. There's this video that is so amazing um, because one of the things that some orcas will do is, like, intentionally beach themselves on, um, uh, like, an area where sea lions or seals will just, like, congregate on the shoreline where they think it's safe 
orcas will like intentionally beach themselves, which could kill them if they can't get back out just for a meal. And there is video footage of like a mother orca teaching its young how to do it. And it's just this video of this mother and baby orca and the mother is just making the baby orca do it over and over again. And in some cases, it actually uses seaweed as like a prop. So like there's seaweed on the shore and it'll be like, okay, target the seaweed. Like, ugh, they're so smart, dude. I'm not sure why I'm like yelling at you about it. Like I'm, I'm hoping that you're on the same team as me here. <laughs> but just in case you're not, consider this aggression. I'm not even going to get into like the captivity of these animals, but it's fucked, obviously, and that shouldn't happen. They're incredible. And I'm weirdly more frightened of a great white shark than I am of an orca. Two reasons. There has not been one recorded case in history of an orca attacking a human in the wild. Not one. The only time that happens is in captivity and like we know why that is the case. So not only do they not attack humans, the second thing is that great white sharks are terrified of them. Because they'll eat great white sharks. Like that's one of their <laughs> that's one of their foods. And great white sharks have actually been known to not return to a certain hunting ground for like up to a year just because there was an orca sighting. Like they'll communicate amongst themselves and they'll be like, there's a fucking orca. Don't. So I just love the idea that these orcas are just like making Bruce shit his fucking polka dot panties, bro. Oh my God. Love that from the orcas. Our next animal is none other than the superb lyrebird. That's actually its name. Its name is the superb lyrebird. One of the great piss takers of the bush. And they have been that way for 10 million years. They're actually on our 10 cent coin in Australia. I had no idea. I had to go firstly find my wallet. Didn't know where that was. Haven't picked that up in six months. Everything's on my phone. Found the wallet eventually. There were coins in it by some luck because also <laughs> I have no use for them anymore. And I found a 10 cent coin and by God, they were right. There's a fucking lyre bird on there. I, my whole life I thought it was a peacock, but yep, it's a lyrebird. They're native to Australia. You typically only find them in like the southeast areas, but they have been known to be in like southeast Queensland, but typically like forests in a colder area. They eat the bugs, sometimes a lizard, but that, none of that is what you want to hear about in terms of the lyrebird. You want to hear about their imitation. And I know I'm here to give you what you want. It's what I want as well, to be perfectly honest with you. So lyrebirds sing throughout the year, um, but like the peak singing time for them in terms of like mimicking is breeding time from June to August. And males use the mimicry to attract a mate for whatever reason they decide to mimic other animals. That's actually a natural thing that they do to attract a mate. It just gets weird when like they start doing human shit, obviously. But during this peak season of mating, males will sing for four hours a day, which is like almost half of the hours, hours of daylight. So they're known to like mimic, obviously, other birds. Such as the kookaburra. And um, a lot of these American videos that were talking about the lyrebird, I was like physically 
upset with how they were pronouncing kookaburra. Um, if you're American, it's not kookaburra. I, I can tell you that much for free. It's kookaburra. Here's what I meant for reference. Like the kookaburra. Kookaburra, I guess. But yeah, like they're known to mimic any fucking sound to a T. And the really, I think, fascinating thing is that like, obviously they can mimic a bird. That kind of makes sense. They are a bird as well. Like it's natural to assume that they could sound like another bird, similar to us with like other humans. We can do our best to do an impersonation, but they can nail artificial things. Like they can just listen to these. That was a camera shutter. And again. And now a camera with a motor drive. And that's a car alarm. And now the sounds of foresters and their chainsaws working nearby. So how the fuck? That's the question, isn't it? Well, humans, for context, we have lungs that push air up our voice box up into our mouth and then we will produce the sound based on you know what our tongue and cheeks and teeth are doing birds actually have a different organ called the syrinx i think that's how it's pronounced which sits right above the lungs but the syrinx splits into two which means that in the same breath of air they can make two completely different noises at the same time one of my favorite little tidbits about the lyrebird actually happened recently, um, and it gives you a really good idea of like how fucking good they are at mimicking any fucking sound. It, Taronga Zoo in Sydney, beautiful zoo if you've never been. They have lions. They got the lions, and the lions are at, like, yeah, they escaped. They the lions got out last year. There's no real way to tiptoe around that. Um, but no one was hurt and no lions were hurt. Only one had to be tranquilized. Half of them actually ended up getting back into the enclosure anyway. And they, it, it was all sorted. But anyway, when the lions escaped, um, obviously there was going to be like an alarm, like, ooh, 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 evacuate. <laughs> that reminds me of fucking, <laughs> I used to laugh because in my old apartment, they used to test the fire alarm in this apartment in Sydney once a fucking week. And I work from home, so I, I was always I was always an audience for it. And I would laugh because it would do the beeps, like the normal beeps, but then the voiceover was like so unsuited to the context of it. It was like this middle-aged guy going, evacuate now. And it was like every every time I heard it, I was like, <laughs> evacuate. <laughs> Like, I've had to do those voiceovers. And when I do it, it's like, evacuate now. Like, it's stern. It's like, serious. This motherfucker, <laughs> evacuate. Anyway, this alarm went off in the zoo. Within a week of this lion incident, the liar bird had nailed the fucking alarm. Listen to this. <laughs> Yeah, it can also cry like a baby. I think we've got a little bit of it here. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know. <laughs> so that's the lyrebird. Um, they're, like, almost a threatened species, so stop cutting down the fucking trees. 
The final animal we are going to be talking about today is the Greenland shark. Greenland shark. Greenland shark. There you go. They live up to 500 years old, which means that some Greenland sharks in the ocean swimming around are older than America and obviously Australia. That's not hard, though. Once mature, they can grow to seven meters or the equivalent 23 feet long. Big boys. And they're found usually in like North Atlantic and Arctic oceans and typically further down than, you know, you or I would ever willingly swim down to. What is your like limit in terms of depth, you would say? If you're scuba diving, I'd say like a good 10 meters will do me. And, and in a coral reef, if I can't see what's below me, oh my God, I am so scared of the ocean in that sense. There's a sensation in my body that I have no control of right now to do with deep ocean water. Oh, can we move on? Fuck, we're talking about a deep ocean shark. What am I going to do about that? They are an apex predator with a top speed of 2.9 kilometers per hour. <laughs> So they hunt prey while they're asleep. I mean, you got plenty of strength, I guess. But some of them have been found with like a full reindeer carcass in their body. And no one gave me context on why that would be the case. So I'm going to have to guess they just like slip through like a little bit of ice in like North America. I guess. We'll just have to live with not knowing, guys. I'm really sorry. They get these like little crustaceans on their eyes and they like scientists don't know if it's actually a mutually beneficial arrangement because these crustaceans do like create this kind of glow that would potentially like draw small fish or prey in toward the Greenland shark who could then eat it. But scientists have proved that it's actually a mutually beneficial arrangement. So like the outcome is that Greenland sharks just go fucking blind. So they're just basically these blind sharks that live forever and look like like a flat rock. They can go as deep as 7,200 feet or 2.2 kilometers, um, where it is very, very dark and there is no sunlight, which is in fact the reason, yeah, for why it is very, very dark. Thanks for staying with me there. <laughs> they don't start breeding until they are 150 years old and pregnancy lasts 18 fucking years. And then as soon as they are born, they just piss off. They just float away, and I'm guessing a glacial fucking pace. They're probably waving at mum for like a good hour before they're out of sight and live a, you know, a life of solitude. So they're just like lonely, blind rocks, and I think that's why I find them fascinating. And no offence, I'm also not slightly threatened by them because I did Google what the average human swimming speed is, and it's faster than a Greenland shark's top speed, so... You know, do with that what you will. That's all I've got on Greenland sharks. <laughs> so I hope I have weaponized you with enough little fun facts for your next social outing. Try to limit it. Try to limit it to like, just start with one if people seem interested. And if they ask like, oh, really? A follow-up question about orcas, then you're allowed to give them another one. But if you just start giving people facts about animals relentlessly... From personal experience, it just doesn't work out that well. Um, so, yeah, try limit it to one. But again, it's a free country. I can't tell you what to do and I won't. But that is this week's episode on learning things. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a little silly old time like myself. 
I very much enjoyed it. If you'd like to see more of these styles of episodes, please let me know. Reach out. Info at lucy.com.au is the email. Lucy spelled L-U-C-E-Y. What else can I tell you? Yeah, I flogged the whole like rate and review enough, I think. Um, just make sure you're following the podcast. That would mean a lot. I'm such a slut for data. And with all that said, I'm going to leave you with the sounds of the lyrebird. Adios. Adios.